Good morning, Transformation Church. It is great to be here. It's a great honor. Have to tell you, I've never preached before. I'm extremely nervous. So I hope you'll pray with me that I'm able to get through this message and that you can get something out of it. Dear Heavenly Father, I humbly come before you. I ask that you take over the service, that your words be heard, and that I be your vessel, Lord, that it's not anything that I do, but it's, it's all for you. In Jesus' holy name I pray, amen. In football, a ball carrier achieves their glory by scoring a touchdown. But there's 11 defenders fighting to keep them from their glory. So I've entitled my message, What's Keeping You From Your Glory? In preparing for this message, I looked up the definition of glory, and I found three definitions. The first one that applies to the football analogy is high renown or honor won by notable achievement. The second one is magnificence or glory, magnificence or beauty. And the third is what we're going to be talking about today, the praise, worship, and thanksgiving offered to a deity. In other words, offered to God. This message came to me during my journey to read the Bible from cover to cover. In 53 years of growing up in church, I've probably heard or read every verse in the Bible. But I never read from Genesis to Revelations. You see, I've always had ADD, and I had trouble retaining what I learned. I would get to chapter 6, and I'd forget about what happened in chapter 1 and 2. But I was reading in 1 Kings chapter 3, and I got to verse 9, and a light bulb went off in my head. And that's where we're going to get the majority of our text from. So if you, if you want to be turning to 1 Kings chapter 3, and if, if you need a hint, finance right before 2 Kings. So I hope that helps. <laughs> but 1 Kings chapter 3 is the story of Solomon. And most of us know the story of Solomon. If not, you've probably at least heard the saying, the wisdom of Solomon. Or you might have heard how Solomon judged over the, the two mothers that were arguing over a baby. But before we get into the text, I'll give you a little backstory on Solomon. Solomon is the son of King David. King David was the king of all of Israel. God's chosen people. And David is, is getting up in age, and he, he's near death, and they've decided it's time to choose a new king to replace him. And it, it was presumed that one of Solomon's brothers was going to become king. But an angel appeared before David and told him, said, I, God wants Solomon to become king. And we don't know exactly how old Solomon was, but some theologians and scholars estimate he's probably in his early 20s. And now he's being chosen by God to lead God's people. And he's having to replace David. Now this is King David that as a shepherd boy, he came across a bear in the wilderness and fought and killed the bear. 
The same David as a shepherd boy fought and killed a lion. And the same shepherd boy that took a few stones in a slingshot and slayed the Philistine giant. The same King David that saw so much favor in the eyes of God that 300 years after David's death, his descendants were still receiving blessings based off of his works. So Solomon had some pretty big shoes to fill. And if you'll stand with me, we'll go ahead and look at today's text. And I'll be starting in 1 Kings chapter 3. And we'll read verses 5 through 13. 5 through 13. In Gideon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask, what shall I give thee? And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he has walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to set on his throne as it is today. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people which thou hast chosen a great people. They cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give, therefore, thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this people, judge this thy so great a people? And this speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked for riches for thyself, nor hast asked for life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment, behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee, which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. Father, again, I come to you humbly, Asking that, that I'm just your vessel, that your words are heard and not fall upon deaf ears, Lord. That if there's anybody in need, that they can walk out of here with their needs filled, Lord. We ask all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You may be seated. So as I said, it was, it was verse 9 that blew me away. All my life I had been taught that Solomon prayed for wisdom. But in reading verse 9, it says, Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge thy so great a people? And you may say, Rob, well, what's the difference between wisdom and an understanding heart? 
Well, to me, wisdom is knowing the difference between good and bad. But an understanding heart is knowing the difference between good and bad and, and applying a little bit of empathy. Maybe looking at why somebody did what they did or said what they said. And I got a little example. If, if a mother has some children and she's not able to afford to feed them and they, they haven't eaten in days and they're starting to get weak and sick and she knows that it's not long before they'll perish from starvation. So out of desperation, she goes to the grocery store and, and she ends up taking some food and puts it in her pockets and she walks out without paying it. She paying for it and she takes it and feeds her children. Well, obviously, wisdom says that's bad. She stole. It's wrong. She took something that didn't belong to her. And in the olden days, in some cultures, if you stole, they take your hands and they cut them off. But an understanding heart looks at the situation and says, well, why did she do what she did? You know, maybe looks through their eyes or walks in their shoes and says, you know, yeah, it was, it's bad that she stole. It's wrong that she took something that didn't belong to her, and she deserves punishment. But maybe we don't cut her hands off. Maybe we apply just a little bit of mercy. You see, there may be somebody listening to me today that somebody's done something wrong to them in their lives. Maybe, maybe they said something that offended them, and now... They've been holding a grudge. They've not been able to feel their joy. And because they don't feel that joy, that's keeping them for their glory. You know, without, without joy, when, when you're wrapped up and you have all these feelings and, and you don't have that joy, it, it's hard to, to give praise and thanksgiving and worship to God. Maybe it was a preacher, Maybe there was a preacher that you just loved to listen to and you got blessings from and, and you grew spiritually listening to them, but all of a sudden they said something that, that you didn't agree with or, or they did something that offended you. And so, so instead of looking at maybe why they had said what they said or did what they did, they're looking back at all the times that, that you'd gotten blessings from them you decide just cut them off. Maybe it was a family member. Maybe you used to love those family get-togethers. You loved fellowshipping together, and you loved communicating, but a family member said something. They did something that, that, that hurt you, something that offended you, and, and now you, you, you've cut them off, and you quit, doing, quit going to the family get-together. You quit communicating and you're holding those grudges inside, and it's hard to feel that joy, and it's hard, hard to give that praise and worship and thanksgiving to God when you're holding those grudges. Maybe it was a fellow church member. Maybe you were one that was there on every Sunday. Every time the doors were open, you were going to be there. If there was a special event going on, you were going to be there to, to help. If there was help needed in the community, you were right there helping but a fellow church member did something that hurt your feelings. They, they said something that you didn't agree with. And now you hold a grudge and, and you, you cut the church off. And now 
all those people that you were helping and that were getting those blessings from you and all those blessings you were getting by doing God's work have just gone away. And it's hard to give praise and thanksgiving and worship when you're feeling that. You see, the human heart, the physical heart has one job, but it has two functions. Its job, as we all know, is, is to pump blood through the body, right, so that, so that the body can thrive and, the, and all the body parts can do what they're supposed to do. But its first function, the first function of the heart is when the lungs inhale, it brings in oxygen, and it adds to the nutrients and to the blood, and so the heart pumps that blood around so that the, the body parts can get that oxygen and all those nutrients. But after the body parts use up all the nutrients and the oxygen, it leaves behind the toxic, the bad gases. And so the heart's second job is to pump that blood back up to the lungs so that the lungs can exhale and get rid of that bad. Well, friends, the spiritual heart works the same way. You see, if there's ever a plaque buildup in an artery, it, it blocks that blood flow. It stops the heart from being able to do what it's supposed to do. And so, so that good stuff, the oxygen and those nutrients aren't able to get to the body parts. It's not able to thrive. And the bad, the bad toxic gases, they're not able to escape. Well, in the spiritual heart, instead of, instead of that plaque, it's those grudges that block you. And then all the bad stuff, the hurt feelings, the anger, the bitterness, the sadness and depression, it's not able to escape because those grudges are blocking the spiritual heart from doing what it's supposed to do. And it's blocking the good from coming in, all the joy the happiness, and the blessings. And so the spiritual heart slowly starts to die. And then the spiritual body is not able to do what it's supposed to do. And the spiritual body has one job. And that's to give praise, worship, and thanksgiving to God. So if you're making notes, my, my first point today is don't let someone else's actions or words keep you from your glory. For other people, it may be pride and vanity that's keeping you from your glory. Maybe you've received a blessing during the worship service. The, the singing really filled you with joy and your cup ran us over. Or maybe somebody testified and it was their testimony that filled you with joy. Or maybe the preaching, something, something the preacher said really touched your heart. But no one will ever know because you're too proud to say an amen, a hallelujah, thank you Jesus, a praise the Lord. You're too proud to raise your hands to God. Maybe it's, maybe it's vanity. Maybe you're just not feeling as close to God as you used to. Maybe, maybe something's been weighing on your heart and it's been weighing you down. And you know just a, a trip to the altar 
and spend a little time with God, things would be better. You could get closer to God. But vanity keeps you from going to the altar. You say, I've already professed that I've, I'm saved. I've already told everybody I'm a Christian. If I go to the altar, people are going to look at me, think I must have done something wrong. I must be feeling guilty about something. So vanity keeps me from going and getting closer to God and, and getting it off my chest. Maybe it's pride. Maybe, maybe you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. You don't know the joy of being able to, to know that there's life after death. There's, there's eternal life with the one that died for you. You say to yourself, I'm an educated person. I'm intelligent. I'm an intellectual I believe in what, what I know to be fact, what I've learned through science and, and history and math. I'm too smart to, to believe in something that's faith-based. I'm too proud. I'm, I'm afraid that if, if I went back and I told my friends that I was believing in something that, that you only know by faith, that I, they'd think I'm gullible. So pride keeps you from your glory. My second point is, don't let somebody else's opinions keep you from your glory. But for me, what was keeping me from my glory was self-doubt. Some people, it might be a lack of value or a lack of self-worth that's keeping you from your glory. You see, as a kid, I thought... I was going to get a calling to preach. Because I come from a long line of preachers. My papa, three of his brothers, and even his sister's husband were all ordained ministers. My papa's three sons, my uncles are all preachers. And even my brother and some of my cousins preach. When my family got together as kids and we played dress up, instead of playing cowboys and Indians, cops and robbers, we played church. But it was one day, I was seven or eight years old, and I was at the First Free Will Baptist Church in Rolling Prairie, Indiana, and my Sunday school class was asked to, to quote a Bible verse in front of the whole congregation. And it was something simple. It might have been Jesus wept for all I know. And we were all saying the same verse, and we were doing it one by one. And six or seven kids had already done it before me. But it came to be my turn to see it. And I got up there and I looked at, the, at this massive crowd, maybe 15 people, <laughs> and I froze. And I looked down and I, and I saw my papa on the front row and he's, he's nodding encouraged to me. And I tried to speak and, and, and nothing came out. And, and all of a sudden I took off and I beelined to the back of the church and, and I curled up in the back row and I got in the fetal position and I cried like a baby. I knew then I'd probably never, ever going to preach. Because I got this huge fear of speaking in front of people. It's almost debilitating. My heart felt like it's going to beat out of my chest. <clears throat> as I... As I exercise and work out, I like to listen to other preachers and listen to sermons. It, it kind of helps me 
to forget that I'm working out, you know, because I don't really like working out. So if I get wrapped up in a message, I just forget what I'm doing. And when I'm, when I'm studying my Bible and going down my journey, over two or three weeks, I was starting to get little, little pieces of information, little thoughts, little nuggets or gems. And I'd rush home and, and I'd, I'd write them down in this little journal book. And over two or three weeks, it started to look like a sermon. But I knew I was never going to be able to preach it. So I had a thought. I said, well, I'll go, I'll go tell Pastor Mike that I've got this sermon and I'll, I'll give him a hit, the notes, and, and he'll look it over, and maybe, maybe he'll, he'll decide that he can preach my message, and I will at least did my part. So one Sunday morning as we're setting up, I tell, tell Pastor Mike that, you know, I got a sermon. And before I could ask him if he'd take a look at it and, and maybe preach it for me, he said, when you go and preach it, <laughs> stop me dead in my tracks. I was like, uh... I don't know. January 7th, 2024? Well, this is the middle of October of 2023, so I think I've got plenty of time to back out of it. <laughs> I, even, I even tell Matt at Thanksgiving, we're at Thanksgiving dinner, and I was like, yeah, I still got time to back out. He said, no, you don't. He said, it's, it's, it's already on the calendar. You're not backing out of it. So here I am. But, but over that, that two or three week period of time, I was telling God, I, I can't preach. I've, I've got a fear of, of public speaking. I can't do it. See, I sit here every Sunday and I see people that are able to get up here and I'm in awe. Like my, my younger brother, Matt, who's not even as good looking as me, he's able to get up here and he's able to lead the worship. And he sings songs beautifully, brings tears to my eyes. It fills my heart with pride, but it fills my spirit with envy. And I said, God, why didn't I get any talent? Why can't I get up there in front of people? And then there's Pastor Mike, and it doesn't matter if it's his turn to preach or, it's, or he's asking for the offering or he's doing the drive time with Pastor Mike. He's able to take his thoughts and he's able to make words and make that words into a message. And it doesn't matter what he's doing, his GPS be, be going off in the background. He'd be looking both ways to cross over traffic. He's still able to deliver that message. And then there was Pastor Roger. Pastor Roger's able to do his, his message in two languages and alternate between the two of them. And it's so amazing how he's able to, to focus. He, he'll start and say a couple lines in Spanish, and then he turn around and picks it right up and translate it into English. And he reads the Bible, one Bible in Spanish and one Bible in English. And he even prays that way. And he's got such focus. And I said, God, I can't focus like that. I can't preach. I can't focus like Pastor Roger. And then there was Pastor Blake. Pastor Blake, at an age much younger than me, already able to get up here and stand and deliver some beautiful messages. And he's able to, to fight over his anxiety. You can tell when he starts, he might be a little bit anxious, but he, he's able to choke down that anxiety. And he'll start in the Old Testament. And then all of a sudden, he'll, he'll take verses from the New Testament. He's able to mix it together. 
and deliver some beautiful messages. And I'd say, I'd argue with God. I'd say, God, I can't preach. I can't choke down my anxiety to be able to get a message out. I can't go from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And then there's Alex. Alex is our walking Bible encyclopedia. I don't know if you've ever had a conversation with Alex, but I can tell you from firsthand experience, it don't matter what you're talking about. At some point, God in the Bible is going to come into the conversation, and he's going to quote chapter and verse. Okay? And I said, to my, I said, God, I can't preach. I can't just find anything to talk about and bring, bring God and the Bible into the context. I can't quote chapter and verse. And there's so many other people just stand up here and, and they can pray or testify and I say, God, I can't do that. And as I listen to these preachers, I'll hear them say, God spoke to me. And I'd say, God, I can't hear you speaking to me. They say, God showed them something. I say, God, I don't see you showing me anything. They say, I received my message directly from God. And I say, I can't receive any messages from you, God. And during this two or three weeks as 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 God's laying it on my heart and, and I'm struggling with God and I'm saying, I'm saying all the reasons why I can't preach. I kept hearing this song over and over in my head. And I began humming it and I began singing it and I'd sing it everywhere. I'd sing it in the shower. And don't worry, Matt, I'm not going to sing it now. But it was just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea. Daily walking close with thee. Let it be, dear Lord, let it be. And just like some type of divine intervention, I'm listening to a preacher, and he, he quotes Matthew 7, 7. It says, ask, and ye shall receive. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and the door will be answered unto you. And that's when as I was doing my studies, and I was reading 1 Kings chapter 3, and I got to verse, verse 9, the story of Solomon. Y'all remember Solomon? I kind of started the message with Solomon. You might have thought I got in a little bit of a rabbit hole, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to close it up in a box, and we're going to close this message out. But I'm reading 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. And I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but essentially God had asked Solomon what I can give thee. And Solomon said, give me an understanding heart that I may be righteous when I judge your people. And God said, God was pleased by that. He said, because you've asked for an understanding heart so that you could be righteous in judging my people, I'm going to give you what you ask for, the wise and understanding heart. But I'm also going to give you all the other things. I'm going to give you the riches and the honor. And that's when God showed me Matthew 6.33. It said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. One translation said all the other things will be added unto you. And when I read it, I was like, hallelujah. I nearly jumped out of my chair. I said, God just showed me something. And he took me from the Old Testament to the New Testament. 
And it, and, and it was just like if, if the Holy Spirit said, you like that? Watch this. He gave me, gave me Psalms 37.4. It said, delight thyself and in the Lord, and he will give you all your heart's desires. And he took me to John 1.1. It said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that's when God spoke to me. Not audibly, I didn't hear him, but I felt him in my spirit, and it was just like he said, I've been here since the beginning of time, and I'll be here till the end of time. What's keeping you from your glory? And so, as I, in, in closing... If there's anybody that was like me, if, if, you were, if you were saying to yourself, well, I can't hear God speak to me. Let me ask you, how often are you speaking to God? If you say God's not showing me anything, how often are you in his word looking for something? And if you said God's not giving me messages directly, my question is, how often are you listening to his messengers? If you ever, if you're ever not feeling valued, you're not feeling worthy. You feel like you've done too much and too much wrong in your life, and you're not worthy to know God's love. God said, "You are so valued. You are so worthy." that I sent my only son to stretch out his arms on a wooden cross and to bleed for you to save your soul. So as Matt comes and, and we prepare the invitation, if there's anybody out there that, that's holding a grudge, that's keeping them down, and they're just not able to feel their glory, I want you to know that, that the altar's always open. You can come and you can leave that that grudge at the altar, and you can walk away with your glory. And if, if you're just not feeling as close to God as you, as you used to feel, if, you, if there's something that's, that's weighing you down, that, that's, that you're just struggling and stressing with, and, and you feel like you just can't go on anymore, you feel like you're carrying a backpack full of boulders up a mountain, Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that are labored and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, you can come, you can talk to, to myself, you can talk to, to Mike, you can talk to Matt. We can, we can show you the way. But don't leave here today thinking that there's an, there may be another day. You could come next Sunday. You're busy today, but, but you've got another opportunity because, because tomorrow is not promised to us. We're, we're not guaranteed that we'll make it out of here and make it home. We don't know that we're, we're entitled to our next breath. And if the Holy Spirit's talking to you and, and, and telling you now is the time, you feel that beating in your heart. You feel feel a little different, a little weakness in the knees, and you feel, feel that urge, then you know that, that the Holy Spirit has filled its obligation. It's only, only obligated to call once. 
It's like the, the old song says, the old ship of Zion may never pass this way again. You may never get another opportunity. Don't close your eyes for the last time and wake up in a burning lake of hell where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. Today is your opportunity.